0: What's up bro?
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's not a rule that you have to use the two subs. He's he's the best left back in Canada, without a doubt.
0: All right, and hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 3rd Sub Podcast presented by Macy Sports. And we're back with another edition of 3rd Sub in around 30 minutes. We're not going to say 30 minutes or less. We can't ever guarantee that sort of uh, proclamation. But we're back with a jam-packed Vancouver Whitecaps episode. I'm your co-host, Alexander Ruzik joined as always by Sam Leroy. And I mean, Sam, let's not waste too much time in the introduction. But before we get into this white caps filled episode how are we doing this week over on the other side of the pond i'll add yeah
1: doing well the the obligatory shout out there uh we're gonna try to keep this as as fast paced as the week is gonna be for the white caps right this is the this is the stretch i feel like i've been banging on the table and talking about for weeks on end now these matches against teams below them in the standings they have to take advantage of one for three so far it it wasn't perfect you know it's not a mona lisa but they they find a way to get it done against an FC Dallas team in turmoil now you've got another Texas team that's that's been struggling it's been a mixed bag they're they're on some better form recently and then obviously San Jose who also below them in the standings, but kind of coming around as well. So I think these are two very interesting matchups and uh, obviously a couple talking points from the Dallas game to dive into as well. So uh, yeah, 30-ish minutes or less. We're not going to promise anything too crazy, but we'll, we'll keep it kind of we'll try. Know, we'll between try. the mustard and the mayo here as much as we can.
0: <laughs> That's quite the expression, but uh, I guess to, to start with the catch up, really, I mean, at least if you're going based off of Dallas's color of their jerseys, let's, let's, let's talk about that that Dallas game. Obviously, Dallas comes in, battle of the interim managers again. Vanny Sartini, he's the king of all interim managers, two wins. I don't think anyone can lay that sort of claim around MLS as Vanny Sartini. Uh, Dal, uh, it wasn't pretty to say 1 0. I uh, really took a a light bit of heroics from from the White caps, MVP this year to to pull it over the line. But overall, you can't help be but be encouraged with the performance. They outplayed Dallas. they, you know, they started strong, which has been a problem we've spent many a time talking about here on this show or in written form. And it was just overall the sort of game we we, we wanted to see from them after, uh, you know, they the call they did well to pick up a point in Colorado, and like we said in the last week's show, that would have meant nothing without a win against Dallas. And they went out and got it by some will, some way to, to get it done. And for that, it ended up being an overall successful game. Although again, that late dramatic probably wasn't good for anyone's heart. Although looking back, it was quite fun having gone through that roller coaster.
1: Well, yeah, I just want to start out with a, uh, with a Mia culpa, which is we spoke about Andy Rose in a back three on the last podcast. Uh, Andy Rose playing on the outside in a back three, and we, we said we didn't think it could be done. And I have to give a huge was, shout out to fantastic. that. that in, not just Andy, but that entire back three for doing a terrific job. I think a huge credit has to go to Vanny Sartini, too, who clearly, you know, we talked about this in the last show, does he have the tactical wrinkles up his sleeve? Does he have the surprises? For me, that was a surprise just how well it worked in comparison to what we'd seen in the previous match. And I think for a vet like Andy, maybe it was just a bit of that shaking off the rust, shaking off the hesitancy. And once he gets a little more confidence, that little point of reference, he could build on it. Uh, but I, I can't say that I saw that coming. So that's a, that's a pleasant surprise, especially if, if Flo, you know, hopefully he's back for at least one of these next two matches. Um, Eric Godoy, obviously still on the men, but if those guys are not hundred percent, they're going to need Andy to continue to step up. So huge shout out there and, and hat in hand did not see that one coming at all.
0: Oh, I definitely didn't see that one coming, but for me, Andy Rose, it was just, he was in the right position. It felt like he was the block master. I think he made at least four memorable blocks, which most defenders on a good day will make one. And he just made four where he just stuck out his leg, stuck out his head, stuck out his chest. He just found a way to get limbs on, on the ball, uh, in in a legal, you know, no, no handballs, no nothing, which is very tough to to do. And the thing is with 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 the white caps, they were dealing with a good front two in Dallas. I mean, yes, Dallas has an inter manager, but you're still dealing with Ricardo Pepe and Jesus Ferreira, who've been scoring for, for fun as of late. So to shut them down over the course of 90 minutes, the only chance you really give up that's noteworthy is that that penalty at the end. I guess there was that one from Yader O'Brien about 20 minutes in and then they kind of settled down after that. It was such a nice clean defensive performance and I think Andy Rose deserves a shout out for just calming down his game and obviously learning from from what he, you know, he's the, the one thing you have to give credit to Andy for, you know that he's going to be in the film room after games, he admits that he's a film nerd, he likes to study, likes to learn more about the game. Obviously Colorado didn't sit, sit right with him as well and he studied some film, studied some tape, learned about what he did wrong, applied it on the field. You love to see that. Ranko Veselinovic I mean, he's, he's been ranked a lot. Honestly, the best Caps defender this year, I, based on what we've seen from a consistent uh, margin, he's just been so reliable and calm, which was just the opposite of last year, where it was always felt so, like erratic and, 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 and unsteady. And I think the biggest shout-out, though, has to go to Jake Norwinsky, who's never played a game at centre-back in MLS. Gets thrown in on the left centre-back. Like, if it was one thing for him to get thrown in as a right centre-back where he's kind of a pseudo right-back No, he got thrown in at left centre-back and actually looked comfortable. He played out of the back. He didn't get isolated. Uh, He was always in the right position. I mean, other than that one chance from O'Brien that I mentioned that went down his side, he locked things down. Uh, Even at the end, someone like Patrick Metcalf, who isn't normally a left wing-back, had to be thrown in in front of him. He still managed to hold down the fort. And that is the most impressive thing because we talked, or at least uh, I don't know if we talked about it on this show, I know when I saw that lineup, uh, I my first thought was, where, why not Javane Brown? He's played in a back three in college. They keep talking about, oh, he used to play in a back three in college. Would this not have been a perfect example? Well, <laughs> Vanny Sartini, the football genius, saw something in Jake Nowinski. It worked. Shout out has to be in order for to Sartini, but also to Nowinski, because no matter how well you train in the week, that's just impressive to be thrown into a brand new position like that. Keep a clean sheet on your centre back debut, so so shut up, Turnerlewinski.
1: Yeah, I guess I'll just add on Jake that you know something I've I've kind of commented about his game for quite a while now is that it seems like his struggles at the fullback position of stemmed from being able to only do one thing at a time really well, which is either defend at a really high level or, you know, provide that attacking threat at a really high level. And, you know, whenever he got too far out in space, got too active offensively, it would sacrifice to the defensive end. So I think in a way, playing in a back three on the outside, that kind of suits what he's meant to do at the fullback position a little bit more. And also, Jake's just i think you see a young guy coming out of college and you just kind of look at jake and you think oh he should be super athletic and and i'm not saying that jake's not athletic but he's not necessarily a a super smooth mover like sometimes when he's going up and down those wings it you know he's he's a bit lumbering at times He, he gets there and he gets there quick but it's not the the smoothest movement so i think that just someone who can play you know a little more of the game in front of them I feel like that almost that suits Jake a little bit better when he can see most of the match in front of him and he's not having to chase back quite as much so I actually I really liked him in that role I mean I think that's you know something you you certainly keep in your back pocket and maybe you know Vandy Sartini or whoever is going to take the helm the long term here you know Maybe he's not a center back, but it's certainly something you can consider just like Eric Godoy can play at left back, just like Derek Cornelius can play at the fullback position from time to time. So that was not something I expected coming into the year, but actually the, the more I saw it in that match, the more I think based on Jake's profile, it makes a little bit of sense at least.
0: Yeah, and I mean... One thing about Nowinski, I'd almost say he had an Alistair Johnson-esque performance in the back three, jam, yeah. jam him in there. Not necessarily a true center back, but he could fit that role. So that's obviously nice to to, to know that you have that in your back pocket if you're a Vanny Sartini. But I guess moving otherwise, next on our list, at least no particular order, Reinhold. I mean, it has to be said. Personally... From what I watched, it wasn't a Ryan Gold game. I, I think there, there's, you can tell there's a difference between like a Ryan Gold game where he's just, he's, everything he's doing is is magic. He's not missing a pass. He's just starting to do, like, I think of some of those moments, like that one chip he had against, I don't remember the the team exactly, but when, the one where he just, he was pulling stuff out. He didn't even have one of those games. What, but despite that, he was the stat stuff. I mean, the, the one stat that stands out eight key passes i think there's stretches of of whitecaps games where they had their entire midfield over two or three games got eight key passes and ryan gold in one game got eight key passes uh, on his own and what was scary is he wasn't playing at his best i think he could even easily had he been playing better could easily had 10 12 key passes just setting up teammates putting them in good positions and i feel like that made such a big difference for the Whitecaps because obviously they didn't get the goals, but they created a lot of good, good chances. And they won the XG battle. Obviously, I think it ended up being tied because Dallas had the penalty at the end that skewed the numbers. But overall, on balance, Whitecaps battered Dallas. Why? Because they had Ryan Gold kind of setting the tempo offensively in the midfield. And I feel like that was, it's no coincidence and on his return to, to, to form that the Whitecaps won again, because when Ryan Gold plays good, they tend to win.
1: And I mean, overall, I'm not, and this can sort of transition into our next topic. Overall, I'm not a big fan of Brian White and Lucas Cavallini up front together. But you know what, when you have Ryan Gold and he's whipping crosses into the box, he's providing that service, you know, He's the kind of guy that could provide service for two strikers, not just one. Uh, You don't mind that from time to time. I mean, amongst those key passes, you know, six completed crosses on nine attempts. There's, you know, other than the the crossing legend Javane Brown, there's few on the white caps that are capable of, you know, putting balls into the box at that kind of rate, and so... The way Gauld's just able to move the entirety of the way across that midfield and, you know, play in wide areas, cut back in centrally and, and, and provide options for those guys. Great to see, even though it doesn't have, you know, the, we've lost the counting stats a little bit from Gold in the sense of, you know, not getting that goal and assist per match pace that he, he started his Whitecaps tenure off with, but that, that was never going to keep up. So, uh great to see him kind of get back to form in, in a little bit more of a subtle way, albeit a very noticeable way. And, and I'm sure we're going to see more of that against Houston and uh, San Jose upcoming here.
0: That's it. He, he's he's a good player to the point where obviously if he scores a goal and assist every game, the Whitecaps probably would win MLS Cup if he'd managed to keep up that pace. But he doesn't have to be that guy. As long as he's putting chances for guys to finish, the one thing that also player like him can do if he can be a gravity changing player where players teams start to man mark him and open up spaces for your nahomis and your your Cavallini's, your whites that's also a good thing so the nice thing about a player like gold you can have an impact in so many other ways but uh i mean we'll we'll skip over i guess we have some talking points we'll get to but i feel like on the topic of gold it feels like to, to it's important to skip over uh, to jump to a different point on the list because it has to be talked about russell tybert what the heck did he eat on saturday morning because he was f- f- phenomenal like, he was genuinely phenomenal i don't know what ryan gold's been telling him what he was i just i'm, I'm at a loss for words so i don't know sam if you have any sort of theories or, or, or any sort of thoughts on, on what russell tybert did but i guess first of all what did you make of his performance on saturday
1: well, I mean, you know, it'll it'll be twenty thirty one, and and Russell Tybert will still be starting in the Whitecaps midfield. It just it, it seems like a law of nature at this point, right? And and part of the reason why that's the case is just when you think he's sort of being edged out of the lineup, he produces a performance like this. We've seen it before, and he he's a bit of a streaky performer. I think some days he just shows up. You know she makes his first couple, on the right set of. yeah, batters, makes his but... first couple of passes and all of a sudden he's a different player. Um, you know Ya Bakel getting a bit of rest with with busy match week upcoming and I think you know like a like a gritty third or fourth line forward um, in, in hockey, Tybert kind of senses his opportunity, right And he just he finds a way to to be involved, be impactful. have to say like leading up to, to the goal crosses from those kind of second phase opportunities has been it's been one of tybert's strengths this year i mean there's one of those matches early on in the year where he fed minnesota kava Kava two or three times like they were prime scoring opportunities he's got that quality kind of from from a standstill the problem is when you get him moving in transition he can't hit He's not capable of hitting balls from those kinds of spaces. So we've known that Rusty has that in the bag, um, but you know he was able to you saw the passing chart. We, lo- we love our passing charts. I saw oh, yeah. someone on oh, yeah. Twitter. I can't remember who, so apologies for not giving the credit for the shout-out. But they said that it looked like the passing graphic was <laughs> flipped around because normally all those forward passes are backwards. But uh, huge huge shout-out to Rusty because it, it he was He even great... completed a dribble. Like, what the heck? Exactly. It was a great um, showing. Right, I, is... I wouldn't rely on this being a consistent thing because we've seen it before. We're, we're going to see it again. But, you know.
0: Hand, hands up, clap for Rusty. Great, great showing. Well, two things for me to end off. First of all, I remember telling someone before the game, the caps are going to get battered in midfield. So obviously I, I'll put my hand up. Credit to Russell Tybert. But I'll throw this to you. For whatever reason, tell me I'm crazy or tell me I'm out of my mind. Russell Tybert plays better in a double pivot. I think he's the one Whitecaps midfielder suited to a double pivot. I think of that game last year where the Whitecaps went away to the LA Galaxy, played a 4-4-2 with Toss St. Ricketts and Lucas Cavallini up top and Inbomb and Russell Tybert yeah. in the midfield. And they were, they were phenomenal in midfield. For whatever reason, Russell Tybert, when he's in a double pivot, I'll, he might be the best white caps midfielder in a double pivot. A guy like Kyle Alexandre likes space. Ryan gold he's a third-man midfielder. You know, he like, you know, they like to have three men, both of those players. Daniel Bickell, he's more of a number six. So it, the more guys in front of him, the better. Leonard Owusu definitely looks best in a three-man midfield. But for whatever reason, Russell Tybert, I think the main three must be his fitness just because he can cover the sort of ground you need in that sort of midfield. But when he has the license of a, of a two-man midfield, it's almost in his head. He's like, oh, I have to do the progressing. I have to go forward. I have to, you know, because in a three-man midfield, there's a lot of triangles you can get accused. Of, you know, I, you can start I playing think, it a little I think safe.
1: Rusty's better doing a little. I mean, it fits him as a player. He's better doing a little bit of everything than trying to just do one thing really well. And I, And I think that's... In a two-man pivot, you have to you have to be a jack of all trades. You have to you know throw well, you a little. A lot of ground you have to too. throw a little bit of every spice into the pot, and any he, and he's capable of doing that. And yeah, we always talk about you know fitness testing when they come back for preseason training. Oh, he he's, all, he's always the top time. guy on the sheet, right? And it, it works in, in a two-man midfield. So yeah, credit to him. That's that's a good shout from you to bring that up too.
0: Yeah, no, I was just thinking uh, about that. But uh, otherwise, I mean. We'll talk about midfield since we're, we're there before we move up. Shout out to Leonard Wusu, a guy who I just said can't play in a double pivot. He can sometimes, <laughs> at least based on this Dallas game. Also, a great match. M- maybe him.
1: not in a Mark Dos Santos and double pivot. Not, but.
0: Yeah, maybe not with Janio Bikel as the other option beside him. But, uh, Shout out to Leonard Lewis he had a good game as a cap, not much else to say for me really, but I just felt like he did deserve some due praise.
1: Yeah. I mean, Leo has been good this season when he's seen minutes. That's, that's been a theme since, since the start of the year. And, uh, I don't know what his role is going to be moving forward, but you know, you'd you like to find a spot for him, but you know, with some of the midfield options they have and when, when Kyle's back, it's just, I don't know what his role is going to be, but nice to see him having a bit of fun, a little bit of success. I guess rapid fire for me, you know, just shout out to B dubs, Brian white for <laughs> continuing to put the ball in the back of the net. Six you know,
0: goals in MLS right now. I think he's a uh, second on the white caps. He's, doubled Lucas Cavallini's goal total this year. don't look now white caps fans uh, yeah, Brian White. I mean he he converts
1: the opportunities that are delivered to him. it's it's not you know it's nothing more, nothing less. It's just kind of good utilitarian striker play and, uh, and yeah you you have to you have to give some credit to it for sure and uh, Lucas Cavallini needs a goal. Uh, he's just, he's got to, you know, he's got to find his shooting boots. He's got to find a way to, to get involved and, and not collect so many yellow cards. Uh, and we've talked about this on the last couple of shows. So I think in a, in a rapid fire episode, we don't need to get back into it. But uh, yeah, if you've been listening long enough, I think you kind of know our thoughts there at the striker position. But hey, we've, we've waited this long to talk about it. Uh, the man who, who saved two points and overall was, was phenomenal on the night. Give it up for Mad Max.
0: Second player of the week voting this week feels a bit low. I don't know how GSE's art is. I know his brace was really nice, but like... Uh,
1: U.S. men's national team.
0: Well, I think I uh, I looked at the voting breakdown. I don't look often, but I was really curious to see how Crepo fared. I think he had the higher share of votes from fans, Crepo did, than anyone, but it was the media vote. The, that soc- uh, the, to... the
1: soccer reporters, which we're a part of. but uh, I mean, not- I
0: voted for Crepo. I mean, not a ten- so, let me just put it out there since we'll, we're talking about his performance. For me, I saw seven saves, yeah. first of all, a clean sheet, and a penalty save in the 95th minute. I don't care what any other player does. It's hard to top that out uh, in yeah. terms of player in the week. And I mean... Moving on, obviously it's MLS. The White Caps, I'm curious to see when's the last time the White Caps had a player of the week? Must, like, did Mark DeSantos ever have a White Cap player get team of the week? I can't uh, think of any hat d- tricks or Dahomey d- d- never
1: got one, eh?
0: De never Not, no got one. No two
1: goal performance man. manager. Crapo's d- the only one.
0: one I could I can think of maybe getting one in 2019. But I'd have to double check. Um, would I be crazy?
1: Would I be crazy if I said
0: Davies is the last
1: White player probably. to get a player of the week?
0: It would for we're, me. It's we're, probably, this is
1: something we'll have to check.
0: Because it's probably Davies, Montero, Crepo. Those are my three bets uh, at some point between those those three. But obviously the game itself, is it just, you know, at first it was a, a standard game. He made the saves he was supposed to make, but for me it was the penalty. Just there was something about how calm he was that I felt like he was going to save the penalty, that he was going to at least dive the right way and get a hand on it. And it just makes a big difference having a confident goalkeeper like Krepo is now on a confident team. Because uh, with how the Whitecaps are playing, they're kind of, they're on the edge of, it felt, especially it felt like they're on the edge of collapse. You know, you give up a penalty like that. It feels like you, you take a, a gut punch like that your game goes up, your season goes up in flames, blah, 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 blah. To have a confident goalkeeper like Crepo step up and make a save, it just shows how the sort of form he's been in. But it was just not that penalty save. It was all game. Every time Pepe would get a, a glimpse of life for Ferreira, O'Brien, Crepo would be there. And that's has to be frustrating if you're teams now, because it's become a tendency that when you play the Whitecaps, you're not getting more than 1.2 open play XG you know, so you're not getting many chances. And when you do get your chances, you're staring down Max Crepo, And it's like, it's turned the White Caps, dare I say it, I mean, I, I'm starting to toot that horn, at least over the last 15 games, are turning into a pretty darn good defensive team. Some, somehow, some way or another. And I think having Crepo as the last line of defense has only cemented that reputation because when you do break through the White Caps defensive line, you have to deal with him. And that has to be, so frustrating for 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 teams to have to face down
1: yeah i i won't add much to that but i will just say that both in the lead up and after he made that save all i was really getting flashbacks to or images of in my mind was max in a canadian men's national team shirt and i think there were there have been some real you know transformative moments for max over the last couple months gaining that experience in you know, on a big stage in those kind of tense environments in CONCACAF. I, I think that does worlds too. All of a sudden you're, you know, you're facing down FC Dallas in, in Vancouver and, and, you're you're ready for that stage if not one much bigger and i just think that you know max has always had the ability but i think that added a little boost of confidence as well it's it's certainly exciting to to think what kind of keeping he could provide the rest of the year and and you know what the future might hold for max beyond that even. And so,
0: country, I'll, I'll add too. exactly
1: so uh that that's really uh, as much as you know this is a white cap show at times that's really what I was thinking about a lot in, in those moments. So uh, great to see, you, obviously, but uh, time, to, time to move on to Houston or you well, got I'll some, just, some final shout, Max thoughts here before? Well, we...
0: I'll just shout out because I saw that there was that, that not that rumor, that source, that news, that obviously Ricardo Pepe, as we talked about at length before the game, great player. Ajax was in at BC Place on Saturday night. I mean, first of all, Ajax, where, where were you at? Ah, I'm curious to know where they were sitting. And otherwise... If you're Max Crepeau, that's one heck of a day to have the performance of your life in front of Ajax representatives. I don't know if he'd be able to make a move like Ajax work. just theoretically. It's all, you know, it's obviously very theoretical. They're not going to look at one good performance and sign the guy. But there has been European interest, obviously, countries like Germany, Belgium, uh, Netherlands. I think those would be the kind of league he could make a move to at, at at this stage of his career say a club like Ajax he's good with his feet I mean he is a bit older than most keepers they did you know they're dealing with that whole Onana situation A move like that could make sense, and they're not the only one. There's a lot of clubs who could, you know, a mid-table team in Belgium or something like that could always make a move for Crepo. Just want to shout out him making a big performance like that in front of the big scouts, and obviously it was too bad we didn't see a Michael Baldissimo or, you know, any of those players on a night like that, but just shout out to Crepo for for doing it on a big occasion too.
1: Well, I feel like the knock-on effect of something like that is, you know, well, maybe – maybe other teams in the, in the Dutch League then are sort of, you know, counter-scouting Pepe and they see someone like Max and all of a sudden, you know, things fall into place. The only thing is, yeah, at this point, age, and also especially in Europe, uh, shout out to Manuel Veth, but this is true, height. You know, it's yes, just he, he, doesn't, he doesn't fit that, that kind of box-checking metric for a keeper especially when you're you're going abroad or you're going to a market you know where you maybe have less experience that that is something that might hold him back but i think the more he plays for the national team and, and shows out the less
0: that would be a problem but uh yeah well, well i'll just say at his height too it might make him a bit cheaper than most goalkeepers true. So that also for a budget a money ball style team that could be their kind of advantage you know that's like they always say you target players with quote unquote defects like oh yeah the, it's yeah. like you know he, he kicks funnier he's not as tall as i mean he should yeah be if running, a keeper's
1: six six but he can't move around the net it, it does doesn't it do you much good
0: right yeah <laughs> so anyways on that note enough about max crap folks we could just talk about him all day um quickly i guess we'll we'll shift to houston and i mean first of all must preface any houston talk with the current update on the standings Uh, So the ones that really matter for the Whitecaps, Portland sit fourth with 26 games played, 40 points. LA Galaxy sit fifth, 26 games played, 38 points. Minnesota sit sixth, 25 games played, so a game on hand, uh, 37 points. Real Salt Lake sit with 26 games in seventh at 36 points. So four points between fourth and seven in the, in the playoff spots. Then on the bubble where the Whitecaps sit uh, tied for eight. So there's a three-way tie uh, LAFC and San Jose, both at 26 games played 33 uh, points. The Whitecaps sit with a game in hand on both of their Californian counterparts with 33 points with 25 games played. FC Dallas, with the Whitecaps winning, have a game extra at 27 games at 27 points, six points out. They are very much, you know, not in a good position, but also a few wins could put them back in. Houston, who the Whitecaps are playing, sit 12th with 26 points in 27 games. They're also their playoffs hopes, I guess, are on life support. And then Austin, who did pick up a very friendly victory for the Whitecaps, beating LA Galaxy. Uh, and putting that fourth place back in a contention, they sit with 22 points from 26 games. So while they're there, I'd say Austin is the one team you can write off They, as they showed this weekend, they can play spoilers. So Sam, kind of your thoughts on the playoff picture heading into this Houston game.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you'd asked me to pick the weakest team of these three of the stretch, I, I would have said Houston. I, I think that the, The coaching change, obviously, for Dallas throws a bit of a wrench, you know, especially a guy like Lucci, which I think was was pretty well-liked in in Dallas and and sort of got, you know, thrown on the sword for for not a ton of fault of his own. So that definitely mixed things up. Also, you know, but then there's the the counter of, well, Whitecaps got to play FC Dallas at home. They're going to have to go... In the on the road to Houston, I don't know what the temperature is going to be like, but I always think it's hot, hot. <laughs> hot, and humid when when you think of Houston, right? So um, that could be a potential disadvantage. But overall, I'm, this Houston team just kind of been a mess this year. At least Darwin Quintero is actually playing now because when we talked about this early in the year, you know they've got their they got their high price player. Sat in the bench, just not receiving any minutes. He's he's been good lately. He's been playing a lot at number ten, providing some goal threat, whether it's through his own boots or you know making making an assist. Fafa Pico's been doing well. Um, you know, shout out to former FC Dallas players. And, and Houston sort of feasted on the week lately. They've got two wins in their last four matches: wins over FC Dallas, the one that ended up canning Gonzalez, and then win over. Austin FC, who's, yeah, been for the most part taking L's from everyone, but uh, didn't did manage to squeak out that victory there. So, um, you know, Tim Parker, obviously, will give an obligatory shout out there as well. Um, him alongside what's what's the guy's name alongside him at center back. It's some ridiculous first name. You'll have to oh, look at a uh,
0: teenage had that be. I yes,
1: exactly. But no, those those two at center back have been have been a, a relative bright spot for Houston. But yeah, overall this is not a team um you know I'm gonna be raving about. I think I, I liked more of what FC Dallas had to offer, and I definitely like more of what San Jose has to offer. So my big question going into this one, I wrote it on the notes potential trap game, because Houston plays a pretty negative style, they don't hold much possession they hit on the counter with some of those guys I mentioned. So, you know that that's always the worry is that you're you're going in on the road where you're you're favored to win. You need points. Uh, does it get cagey or does the match get away from you just because of those tricky factors?
0: Yeah, and I mean I'd say this is a must win. Although I will I'll put it out now, not saying this is a good result, but of the ones i'm looking at considering they play lafc they play san jose twice i think they play some other uh teams that are important houston is actually one of the games they could if they draw this
1: doesn't kill you if you only get a single point especially because you're not helping giving a point to houston doesn't really concern you
0: you're not gonna you know houston's very unlikely to pass you at the end of the year and you're like oh we shouldn't have given up I mean, they've already drawn Houston. If, if, play, if Houston's gonna Houston pass once. you,
1: you're you're in big trouble. I, I exactly, think is the point. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I mean
0: they've already drawn Houston once, but just looking at the schedule, the fact that they have to do this trip to midweek where it's a bit colder in Vancouver right now, and you have to go into humid Houston in midweek and then back I'm, to I'm, the I'm kind gonna of, check
1: this weather here. So I'll you you. Yeah, know. make sure.
0: Cause but no, in Vancouver it's rainy all week. It's a bit colder. It's kind of annoying that you have to travel to Houston in between to play a game. So I think this is certainly a game, if you could go out and steal, this is the kind of game that makes you a playoff team, just picking up a result like that. But uh, it's it's not going to be easy uh, for, for the Whitecaps, especially just playing midweek. A guy like Ryan Gold, this is really his first test with MLS travel and weather and humidity and, and all that. It, it, like you said, it's a bit of a trap game where, yes, it's a must win, but realistically, if you go out there, you etch out a point, and you play well, you're not going to be sitting there and, and moaning and punching the wall unless you really go out and lay an egg, and you're like, okay, we could have done a lot better there.
1: So uh, Wednesday evening in Houston, 27 degrees, 80, 80% humidity, chance of, chance of thunderstorm. So they're playing
0: in a sauna, basically. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Brilliant.
1: So basically just typical Houston weather. So, uh, you know, get prepared for that. But, I mean, most of these guys in the white caps have played a lot in uh, – in pretty warm climates, uh, you know, there's not a lot of a lot of guys unfamiliar with that. So while well not ideal, I don't think that's the it's end of the It's just Ryan
0: Gauld, really. I'll throw it out there. It's just it's just Ryan Gold who's not used to it. Because even a guy like Cavallini, who who even if he hadn't got much of a taste, he's you know he's played in Mexico. He's obviously seen that and played in South America. So it's really just Gold. But even he's played in Portugal. He's dealt with stuff like that. It's just as What's interesting is we talked to Gold last week, and he said when we kind of asked him about how he's been, you know, finding the weather, he's just he says it's so jarring because you'll be playing cold one week and then heat and then cold and then rain and then snow and that. Well, I think that's. I,
1: I would the... even add as, uh, you know, last last flight I did to the United States was actually or returning to Canada from the United States was from Houston. That's a surprisingly long flight. You're looking almost four hours, four depending or five hours, yeah. depending on what plane you're on. Um, you'd think, oh, it's Texas. It's you know, it's it kind of it's middle far. of the country. But Houston is a long way south, um, and and for whatever reason, the flight path it just it seems to take a long time. So you know, really, you could get a flight to Toronto that takes the same amount of time as a flight to Houston, which feels ridiculous, but uh, it. It's quite the trip, So you know it's not a it's not a quick hop down to l a. And, and it does make a little bit of a difference. So the Whitecaps will have to watch out for that.
0: and at least Toronto, you'd have a similar climate in October and or yeah. September. You're not going from you know fifteen, ten degrees to snap. you're in twenty seven degree in a sauna. So for me, this Houston game, just to to sum it up, I think this is a game on paper the Whitecaps should win. That Houston defense has been very ripe for the picking as of late. Um, offensively, they can surprise, and that's kind of how they've been able to get grab a few really clutch victories recently. But for me, the biggest factors are: are the Whitecaps going to be able to play their game because of external factors? How much does the heat affect you? How much does the travel affect you? How much does midweek? And it's gonna. That's a very mentally taxing game for the caps. and that's why I think. Again, like I said before, this is a game that really tells you if you can be a playoff team because it's like the kind of game where even if the, you know, on the pitch, everything's set up nicely for you. This is a winnable game. This is a game that could, you know, a game in hand that could really help your hopes, but it's really just one where you you get a test of, of the sort of mental strength and resolve that you have at your disposal.
1: Yeah, um, I, I have more faith in this unit under Vanni Sartini in these kinds of conditions because I, I don't think they'll be afraid to control the match, push the envelope, you know, go for all three points rather than citing the conditions as a reason why they, you know, play out a, a relatively lifeless nil-nil or 1-1 draw. So uh, I think the Whitecaps can, can easily get all three points in this one. As you said, though, it's, you know, always those... Those external factors that can play into the mix, but uh, do we want to move on to San Jose, the uh, the match on the weekend, which you know really does this is a proper six pointer.
0: I mean, boy, it's gonna it's, it, San Jose. That's the one. Obviously, depends on how you do in, in midweek in Houston, but just assuming already, it's gonna home,
1: it's gonna be huge either way. You no, know,
0: it's gonna be. That's why I mean, how tight is it gonna be? We'll find out. Jeez. the nice thing is san jose plays seattle in midweek seattle could do the the white caps a favor that would go a long way but uh yeah i think it's just one of those where you're at home you need to win you, you need to win all your home games really especially based on how your form has been at home so all i'll say is really it's a must win and i think vanny sartine will be a lot more excited like we said san jose had kind of been a, a mark DeSanto's santos bogey team i think if vandy Sartini can find some some cracks in their armor that could go a long long way for 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 finding a result in that game because it's going to be very chaotic and feel the whitecaps you've recently been able to handle that chaos but um you know it, it's not something that you you don't want to have to, to 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 deal with the chaos and be like okay we we have to endure it to to get a win you want to have a little more control you want to you want to be able to, to go out there and, and grind out a result and I'll give credit to the caps. They did get a nil-nil last game out in San Jose, which was, you know, a good result. But at the same time, you don't want to have to kill the game in- entirely either because the White Caps recently, they've, they've been thriving on, on these kind of not too chaotic, but also kind of cagey games. And I don't know if San Jose really falls into that, but they're going to have to make them fall into it.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if if you haven't been watching San Jose recently, or you haven't been paying much attention to what's going on around the league, I'll fill you in. Uh, Chofus has been, or Javier Lopez, depending on what you want to call him, he's been on fire lately. Three goals, one assist in his last two matches. As a guy that definitely you know has has the skill set, has the ability to to be a top player in MLS. It's just the the consistency has not been there at all. It's 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 been super spotty and all over the place at times this year uh yeah he can take over matches but but it doesn't happen all the time he's been he's been feeling it recently and then at the other end of the pitch and i think we talked about this before with san jose but i want to bring it up again uh gg mars out i hope i'm saying that right um marching
0: or marching i
1: don't know how to say the c it's it's a combination of uh He's American, but also he's got some Polish roots. Um, been a great keeper for San Jose the last the last couple years. And they have finally found, you know, this, this San Jose team that's been so inconsistent defensively. They finally found a really good center back pairing. You got Alan East. Now you got Nathan back there who's come in and been a difference maker. They've been a, I don't want to say a good defensive team because that's probably a step too far. But they've been... Sort of league average or at least somewhat consistent over the last little bit and that's made a huge difference Uh, All the highlights all the little bits of matches that I've seen from San Jose recently I've been I've been really impressed much like the Whitecaps They feel like a team that's trending in the right direction and better than their spot in the standings really has reflected so I think that's the one that you know as much as I kind of talked about Houston I was like, "Ah, I don't know. I think the Whitecaps should take care of this one. I think is going to be a tough matchup. It's going to be a, a well, you know, a well contested affair between San Jose and Vancouver on the weekend. And, and that's the one that ultimately I think could have huge implications in terms of which one of those teams has a chance at making the playoffs.
0: What's interesting. Talk about Chofis. Cause his form lately is, is, is scintillating. I think he, he scored the hat trick a week ago, scored the brace yeah. as well, scored one on the weekend. Playing as kind of a right winger, but obviously more of an inverted he's forward. That, he's just he's that
1: tucked, tucked winger.
0: And this is, it shows you how dangerous San Jose can be when they figure it out. And to be fair, goals have never been their problem under <laughs> Matias Almeida. I mean, you just look at their squad. Obviously, uh, up front, they got the new guy, Kakanovich, uh, a bit of a, I think he's a homegrown or a young American. He's obviously. Kind of, he's, he's, he's shown to be better than Andy Rios, which I guess, to be fair, wasn't very a high bar. I just never was impressed with what Andy Rios showed in in the games we've seen of him up front. Obviously, a guy like uh, Kikanovich K- seems to be a bit more of a of a, of a the sort of striker San Jose needs because what you look at their team, they, they have so many deadly options from deep positions. And the two really are Chofis and Christian Espinoza. When you have two guys like that, the strike. I think the problem, I guess, before with Rios is he tried. He was too much of a focal point. Number nine. He was taking away from the the play of guys like Chofis and, and Espinoza. But now they've got Kakanovich, They've got Espinoza and Ro- Lopez playing off of them. They've got a solid midfield with Ewell, You know, Judson, Remedi. They they finally have a bit of balance. And then you go to the back. They have Alanis and, and Nathan who've formed a very nice partnership. You're looking at this, the San Jose team, and it's about as balanced and as controlled as it's been in MLS. It really felt like before was you look at that midfield and you'd be like, Oh, yeah, like this is going to be a buffet, this is going to be a, a goal fest. Whereas now, um, while there's still the same old chaotic earthquakes, there's a little more organization, there's a little more control, there's a little less chaos, there's a little less just pray that our defenders are able to to deal with wild one-on-ones over the pitch because they actually have a competent, solid back four. And one thing that's not talked about is they're a deep team. I'm just looking at their bench from the last game. They were able to bring on Shea Salinas, Chris Wondolowski, Tommy Thompson, and Cade Cowell as four of their subs. That's a pretty good, you know, quartet of subs. And what we know about Matias Almeida, he brings in subs early in games he they make impacts in games so if you're the Whitecaps that's stressful say you have a a bad start and you go down one nothing. well if, if Matias Almeida makes changes like that you're gonna be thrown in a hole and even if you go up one or two nil the fact that you're gonna to have to deal with that while you're holding on to your lead is is, is not gonna be fun so that's you know this San Jose team I think is slowly starting to put themselves together and might it be a bit too little, too late? You know, they started so slow that they're on the outside looking in for the playoffs, kind of like the Whitecaps are maybe, but you can't be, you know, help but be intrigued with what they've put together in this, this, these last few games here. Yeah, you
1: made a good point about the the Matias Almeida subs. And I think this is really a couple of those matches for Mark DeSantos against Almeida it was sort of the beginning of the whole third sub concept and, and Mark not really being able to react to those in match changes. Right. And I think it'll be really, really cool to see Vanny match up against Matias because Vanny won't be afraid to throw a wrench into the mix, just like Almeida, right They're They're sort of the same in that sense. So, you know, 60th minute onward in this match um, on the weekend could be really interesting. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to this one a ton, and I, I, unlike the Houston one, I, I really have no idea which way it'll go, and maybe it'll depend a bit on how the match midweek ends up. You talked about the subs as well, so I want to bring up, you know, squad depth, squad rotation, especially for these Whitecaps. What are our expectations? What do you think heading into this stretch? You know, do they, do they try to push? You know the top eleven out for both matches as much as they can. Where can you find a way to integrate some guys? I mean, maybe if you're looking at Florian Young you're looking at a Christian Gutierrez if he's able to get fit. You know, maybe maybe their injury status makes your decision for you. But but what do you think about the possibility of rotation or you know say starting a guy like Calvin the one match and Brian White in the other?
0: Well, you took the words out of my mouth. I think for that one, I think. Crepo uh, gets the net for both games. I think center backs as well, pretty consistent depending on health. Like I could see same back three, you ran against Dallas for Houston. And then Youngworth, Godoy, maybe are ready for the end of the week. And you run for run with them by the end. I think fullbacks, fullbacks is the interesting one. Do we see, uh, you know, I think Brown maybe does both kind of, he got rested. So he's able to do both. I think Backell does both because he was rested and then, I think we'll see Baldissimo, Tybert, you know, that kind of Metcalf. Maybe they'll split some 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 games. Owusu, those four will split between them. Same with the left wing back. Uh, then I think we'll see uh, maybe Cavallini would be a shout for the Houston away game. I feel like that'd be really his game. And then you kind of go white uh, against um, San Jose. And, and, and then maybe Caicedo could be a good shout to start against Houston at uh, that kind of away game, very you know open let, yeah let him run, i think Caicedo.
1: Caicedo at... is the ideal fit for an away match in houston
0: yeah so i think it's going to be kind of split i think guys like bakel the backline crepo gold those guys will kind of stay in and then that as well i think we'll we'll play both and then after that it will just be figuring out who's fit who's ready who fits the system enough to, to go along there
1: and maybe you see, too, a guy like Gald, you know, depending on the way the match is going, maybe he comes out in the 65th, 70th minute in that Houston match so that he's got fresh legs as well for San Jose in the weekend. That's that's another wrinkle, to, And I believe pretty much every team in MLS, like, this is a double match week almost across the board, right? So at least each team's in a in a similar scenario where they've got to consider their weekend matchup as well. I think... I want to say New England's one of the only teams that's got on on a single match week. So that certainly makes for some some fun MLS action, but yeah, I like your I like your thoughts. Yeah, I don't really have any interest in seeing a dual striker partnership again. So I think that, you know, <laughs> emphasizing each of the striker's strengths and and utilizing that depth is probably the the wisest move. The one other thing I wanted to say which I didn't have a chance to bring up is uh, a huge shout out to a former TFC uh, not academy but TFC sort of development system graduate Griffin Dorsey who's playing in Houston now He's and po- not the last match where they lost to Minnesota 2-0 but the match before against FC Dallas uh, 3-2 victory he popped off had a goal and assist 90 minutes you know kind of man of the match showing so uh, not a Canadian but a, but a guy that was part of the TFC system and is now finding a second chance in houston so um kind of a, a right back turn right winger and uh yeah finally getting some minutes i don't know if he'll start or if he'll play against vancouver but uh kind of wanted to watch there a little canadian content so wanted to, wanted to bring that up as well
0: and i mean there's always tyler pasture obviously he's i think he's been dealing with some knocks it's really unfortunate because he had such a nice start to the season and He's fallen off the Houston and Canada radar, but I think mostly it's been knocks have been really uh, unfortunately for him. He's had at least two or three that I can think of a uh, little hip, you know, hip injury, some other things that have nagged him. So maybe we'll see Tyler Pasha return for the woods. I'm pretty sure he was in a similar situation the last time Houston played Vancouver where he hadn't played for a while and he came back just in time for the Whitecaps game so maybe we'll see see tyler pasher as well it'd be nice to to see him because he's a good player and be nice to see him getting regular minutes again but otherwise i think that pretty much empties the notebook i mean sam for for us here uh we we, 45 minutes so we'll say if we if we round up from 35 or from 30 we're right in the middle between uh you know being being rounding down from 16 rounding up from 30 so we'll we'll take that but uh I guess on that note, not any final thoughts before we close off.
1: No, excited for this upcoming stretch. Uh, I think the Whitecaps can put themselves in a in a pretty good position at the very least to make this this final run over the last month or so very interesting. And and I'm relatively high in confidence that they'll they'll put together at least enough to do that. Um, you know, if you're if I'm going to put myself on the spot, I'm going to say they take the match in Houston. And then maybe it's a, a high event draw against San Jose at home. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I feel differently after we see the Houston match. But uh, yeah, I'll just throw out kind of some some loose predictions. That's kind of how I feel like it's going to go.
0: I think I, this could easily be a six point week. I'll say four. I think they'll beat San Jose. At home I'm just. Cause... I'm
1: more comfortable with four. I have a hard time yeah. saying six.
0: It's just with the away game, it's hard to really because they've struggled away. They still only have like one away game in their last like twenty or five games away or something ridiculous like that. Like it's it's been it's been rough for and them. Was away that from home. was that Austin? Austin, F-C-A. It was Austin. So <laughs> it gives you an idea. It took beating a historically. You know, not good expansion team to, well, actually, not historically. Cincinnati is historical, but still a not good expansion. Who, who team. just fired another coach, by no, the way? Well, so. well, we won't talk about that because that's just a disaster. <laughs> Tire fire over in Cincinnati. Uh, for, for hashtag free Alan caught. She never got the, the leash she deserved in Cincinnati. But uh, yeah, so they haven't been good on the road. So I'll say four. I think at home they've been really good and they'll get a three against San Jose. But realistically i'd have to predict a point against houston but at the same time i think this is maybe a game for them to to send a message pick up three points figure something out about themselves so i guess we'll see
1: that's interesting. We're both thinking four points. There's there's one match. Each of us is sort of on the fence. I think we'd like to give the White Caps two wins, but it's just that little bit of hesitancy still. So uh, looking forward to these matches. Hope you enjoyed a a relatively expedited preview of the week ahead. Uh, you can find me as always at Samuel underscore rowboat on Twitter at 86forever.com. Third sub pod on Twitter, the third sub on Instagram. Uh, for all that stuff you know alex was there the past weekend still putting out his content um, he can shout it out but uh you know agr on the case as well on on insta where he's got some good content <laughs> so uh check all that stuff out uh thanks for listening everyone yeah i'll kick it over to alex to finish things off
0: yeah so uh, obviously you can find me on twitter at alex Gunger, they got bts fan city obviously on instagram as shouted out there by sam obviously doing some bonus stuff and You know, otherwise, I started a new Canadian men's and women's national team newsletter. So if you want more Canadian written stuff, I'm going to be doing a lot of bonus stuff that I don't maybe talk about in BTS. So, for example, my first piece today was projecting a Canada squad for the the World Cup qualifiers, which I never do on BTS. So if you want to read more about that, subscribe to destroyandprogress.substack.com. Uh, more details will be there, but uh, otherwise, that's all for me. A lot of plugs today, but uh, lastly, just, you know, shout out to, to the friends over at Macy Sports. Obviously, these shorter shows, we don't do the, the the ad break since there's not much time to for us to talk, let alone throwing an ad break in there, but we will do, be doing some new giveaways soon for obviously with Canada games coming up, white caps games, com, uh, big white caps games coming up. We will be doing another giveaway soon. So shout out to, to them as always. But on that note, that's all from us. We'll catch you again soon with episode 113.